Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and current ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast will be filled with tips and tricks for helping you not only be the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but live the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. I hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Adaptation Station podcast. I'm very excited for this episode because I feel like it's a really important episode for any of you who are still teaching in special education classrooms. This podcast is going to have tips for dealing with stressful IEPs. And when we talk about stressful IEPs, I'm specifically referring to IEPs that have advocates or lawyers coming to them or any other type of outside support. Uh, I've had BCBAs come to my IEPs and it feels just as stressful as an advocate. So I want you to remember one thing before we launch into this podcast. If one of your parents is bringing somebody to their IEP, that means there's something wrong. Whether or not you see it, the parent is perceiving there to be an issue. And remember, this is their child and they're going to do anything and everything they can to help their child. And I found that when I looked at things underneath that lens and I understood the fear that they must feel, the uncertainty, the nervousness that they must be experiencing regarding their child and their child's progress, they're not happy to be bringing supports to their IEP. And so anything that I could do as a teacher to not only help myself, but help everybody at the table, I was going to do it. And I've boiled it down to five tips for you, plus I have a special co-host at the end, so I hope you listen all the way through. This will be super, super helpful. Tip number one is a double tip, organize and supplement. So I did not do this in the beginning, but you don't need to wait for somebody else to tell you to graph your data and bring it to the meeting. You can do that as a proactive strategy. So go ahead and graph your data. Go ahead and bring samples. Go ahead and bring your assessments. So if you gave your student uh, the VB map or the Brigance or an assessment from Unique Learning System, print off those results, bring that booklet, have it with you. Another thing I always made sure to have was copies of my parent communication. So I'd print off the emails. I kept a phone log for every phone conversation we had where I'd write the date, the time, and what we discussed. I'd have all of that on me to help. I would also organize this. So I like to organize things into folders or paper clips, and I would split it into behavior, communication, reading, math, writing. So that way I could quickly find what I needed. If I was asked about Johnny's progress in writing, I wasn't flipping through 50 pieces of paper. I could find my paper clip that had the writing data graphs, and samples, and quickly supply what I needed to supply. Tip number two is don't ramble. Be short and to the point. A lot of people will ramble when they feel nervous. They'll just start to talk. And what happens when you ramble is your mouth is moving at a much faster rate than your brain. So you're not really processing what you're saying. And this can be a really dicey situation to walk into and especially in a meeting like this because everything you say needs to be very clear, concise, and factual. 
This is not a time to be sharing anecdotes. This is not a time to be sharing that sweet story. You just need to answer the questions and don't supply any other information. It doesn't help anybody when you give them so much the process that they're not even sure what you said. This launches right into the next tip. Know the power of the pause. This is a very uncomfortable thing to learn to do, but it is really helpful. Know how to let there be an awkward pause or silence. What this does is it gives everybody at the table a minute to process what you said. If you've supplied any extra information like a graph or a worksheet, it gives them an opportunity to look at it. And it gives you an opportunity to breathe and center yourself. I'd have situations where an advocate would ask me a question and I would answer and I would lay out four pieces of paper that supplemented my answer and they would keep staring at me waiting for me to say more. But I didn't have any more to say. I'd already answered the question and I'd already provided the supplements. So I would just wait. And it was super uncomfortable, but I would wait for either a follow-up question or for the meeting to move on. And it can be really helpful for everybody if you can master this. My next tip is to tell your supervisor so they can help. You have a lot more contact with the families than the supervisors do in most situations. So you might be aware of concerns or issues that your supervisor doesn't know about. When you go to them ahead of time and say, I'm concerned about this IEP meeting for reasons X, Y, and Z, They might be able to get you the answers that you need. They might be able to help you organize your thoughts. They might be able to suggest something else you should bring to the meeting. It just helps them be more prepared to support you. There was nothing worse than when I was in one of these meetings and I felt completely overwhelmed and my supervisor threw it to me to lead and I had no idea what to do. When he or she knew that I was concerned, they could offer more support so that way we could keep the meeting running smoothly for everybody. The last tip is to go through your IEP with a fine-tooth comb. Part of our jobs as special education teachers is to be well-versed in the law. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of times we don't have a lot of training or schooling, but we still have the responsibility. So you want to make sure that you already know answers to some basic legal questions, especially if they're going to come up. For example, are your students required to have adaptive PE? It's helpful to know that before you walk into a meeting where there's a concern about adaptive PE. If you're not sure where to go, my recommendation is always to start at Rights Law. That's W-R-I-G-H-T, Rights Law. It's a wonderful resource, but I know what you're thinking right now. That's way overwhelming. That's daunting. I can't learn the law. Don't worry. This is where my co-host comes in. Autumn from Supports for Social Students has written an amazing blog post that's linked in the description of this podcast that is meant to help you. And she is kind enough to come onto the podcast today and summarize that information for us. So I'd like you all to give me a warm virtual welcome to Autumn. Hi, Autumn, and thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast and talk about such a big issue. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. So if you guys have not read Autumn's blog yet, I do have that link in the description of this podcast, but I'm just going to ask her three questions that will help all of us make a little bit more sense of this. So Autumn, my first question for you is, what do you feel is the biggest challenge that special education teachers face when they're trying to figure out the law? 
Well, I think one of the biggest challenges is that IDEA doesn't always provide specific answers. So each state tends to expand upon the law with their own rulings and their own regulations, but there is still a lot of room for interpretation, which can be really frustrating when you're looking for answers. And the most clarity really seems to come out of the court case rulings, but even with that information, it can be difficult for teachers to hunt that down. Exactly. And I feel like your blog does a great job explaining that and giving more resources. And one of the things I really liked that you touched on in your blog is that it's important for the actual teacher to know this. And so for those people that are listening who are thinking, oh, my administrator knows all of the legal aspects, I don't need to worry about it. Why would you encourage them to still learn about this themselves? Well, I think the short answer is the more you know about the law, the better you can serve your students and their family. And yes, teachers often do turn to their administrators when they have questions about the law or the IEP process. And some districts have incredible administrators who have a deep understanding of the law, court cases, um, best practice. And many of those districts also reach out to lawyers for guidance. However, that's not always the case. And it's not uncommon for administrators to have limited or even no knowledge about special ed law. And they may not even be aware that the guidance that they're giving you really contradicts the law. So really, if you as a teacher take the time to learn how and where to find answers to your own questions, you'll end up not only feeling more confident with your role, but you'll also save quite a bit of time in the long run since you won't have to go back and fix some of your errors. Perfect example. And Autumn, like I said, has a really great blog with a lot of information, but if this feels really overwhelming to you guys, like you feel like there's so many things out there and how could you possibly begin to learn all of them? Autumn, if you had to recommend just one thing for them to check out as their takeaway, what's like your number one place you send people to? If I could give one recommendation that teachers could do right now, it would be to sign up for the Rights Law newsletter and that's free. And you get a weekly newsletter full of current court cases and answers to very specific questions that are really applicable to your job. Uh, they also provide short summaries of if any relevant court cases, as well as links if you want to read the full court documents. And what I often tell people is don't be scared to read the entire court document. It's actually pretty interesting and nowhere near as tedious as it sounds. Thank you so much for sharing so much information. And like I said, Autumn's blog is in the link of this description. I absolutely recommend you check it out. And thank you again for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and you can visit me at adaptationstation.net. I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode, and I'll talk again soon.